I'm still working to end the stigma surrounding mental health. I like to find out what different people do to protect their mental health. Do they have any wisdom or tricks to share with us? Let's find out with another episode of the State of Mind podcast with me, Richard Sefton. From Brookside to Ackley Bridge to Loose Women to the dance floor, my guest today has seemingly worked so hard for so long on so much. Such a well-known and well-loved actress and I'm so looking forward to this chat today. And so, Sinetra Sarka, how are you? Oh, what a lovely introduction. Thank well. you, Richard. I'm well. I'm very well. The sun is shining. Mm. Having a good chat. What can be better? Yeah, no, I'm good. Thank you. Have you got a cuppa on the go? I have, actually. Did you oh, hear yeah. me have a sip? <laughs> I didn't know. Sorry. It's just I've got mine, and that's what, that's what completes a perfect day, really. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, no, I am a strong tea person. I like the tea bagging for a little bit longer than most others. Oh, I have mine. People laugh at how I have mine. It looks like warm milk. <laughs> I've got a friend who literally just hovers the tea bag over the water. I'm this like, is me. what are you drinking? I see. I this get you now. Um, <laughs> now, you are a proud Liverpoolian. What does the city mean to you? Oh, well, you know, I, I, I think the world began for me with Liverpool. So I just thought that was what every, everybody saw Liverpool the way I did it. It was quite a shock, actually, as I grew up, realising how regionalised and how sort of... Um, compartmentalised Liverpool can be at times but for me it just had it had everything the whole mm. world was in Liverpool you know there was water there was countryside there was city there was mm-hmm. schools there was education there was fancy shops we had the music scene we had a bit of arty we had a bit of intelligence we had the universities the cathedrals I mean it really was jam-packed so had to have a city Sold. where you didn't really need to go out of those you know the borders you didn't have to go in to do anything apart from obviously London for some of the bigger jobs but L- Liverpool yeah. really did have it all for me so I love it and I, I'm so proud to say I'm from Liverpool I'm well, for you, where it all started work-wise, you know, was, was Liverpool. I don't, I'm assuming they, they filmed Brookside actually in Liverpool. <laughs> they literally filmed it behind my mum and dad's house. You I, are I could walk to work. <laughs> I could walk to work. It was that good. That's yeah, amazing. it was... Uh, there were two sets for Brookside. So Brookside the Close mm. was one location. Mm. And then behind the close in the t- in the program there was like a parade of shops yeah. and that was filmed somewhere else but when i first started in 1988 w- there was just the close and you filmed inside the real houses and that close was literally behind a park behind my mom and dad's house so it was close by that's so that's so funny how did that feel being a 15 you were 15 at the time weren't you yeah how did that feel with the established character because you went in 1988 and it started 1982 was it Yes, and so it was very, it was up and running. It was a really, had a really good, strong following, especially in Liverpool mm. and, you know, and on na- the nationally. Yeah, and on the Wirral. <laughs> we were watching Every, it on the Wirral. <laughs> we were all so proud to have a show that was like focused yeah. in and around Merseyside, weren't we? And I think, Absolutely. yeah, I, I was chuffed. I mean, I couldn't believe it, to be honest. I was obviously bragging about it at school, not even knowing what it was I was going to be doing. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be playing this school girl on Brookside. I don't know how many episodes. I don't know how long. I don't know if I've got lines. You know, I really didn't know what I was walking into, but I was so proud to say it was a, you know, it was a big deal to be able mm. to say you were doing anything on TV. Because again, 1988, we didn't have like we had the four channels, we didn't have Sky, we didn't have, you know, social media, all the rest. We didn't have like X Factor, mm. we didn't have reality TV. So TV was really just for a select few. It really was quite, you know, I suppose elitist. And for me yeah. to be. Th- thrown into this like special world where people had to have equity cards and 
did you go to drama school? Those sort of questions, you know, it really was quite, um, I did feel like I had a bit of imposter syndrome. Well, I live quite close to, well, so I'm told, I live quite close to Ricky Tomlinson. Was he in it at the same time as, as you? Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, so Sue Johnson, Ricky Tomlinson, John McArdle, I think they were all passing through, but I was too nervous to talk to any of them because they were <laughs> grown-ups. They, they were like the poster boys and girls of the show. But um, Barry Grant and um, the, the like Jimmy I say, the, Dean oh, yeah, yeah. I've met him. D- yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Dean stuck around for a lot of my time at Brookside, so mm. I, did, I did get the balls to start talking to the grown-ups eventually. But yeah, going in as a schoolgirl, you had a chaperone. You sort of had to, you know, be driven in and driven home, and you you didn't really have the freedom that adults have, I suppose, to go to work. So I was mm. very much like watching from the sidelines in awe. And again, I was watching how the acting industry works. I I got front row seats to everything technical, everything you know, creative, how people talk, the terminology, what does POV mean? It means point of view. <laughs> what does that mark mean? You know, all yeah. these sort of words that you wouldn't expect mm. to know. So I did watch from the sidelines like a, a hungry audience. That's, that's beautiful. Uh, you know, you got to watch and, and hone your craft, I suppose, from the best, from, from these Precisely. amazing Sue Johnston and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, and I really did learn from them. I watched them at their work. It was like a masterclass every day, watching people hmm. um, perfect their their scenes and get to know how you actually can fudge things and make, you can you can almost like cheat some sort of, um, you know, instead of actually throwing the pillow as far as you would, you, you realise the camera can't see that, so you do it here. And, you know, there's just so many things you would never be able to learn from a textbook or even from a stage school that mm. I got my training on the TV set floor. And for that, I am just indebted to Brookside because it really was a training ground. So what, what, what was your training then what, to get the job? Were you normal school, stage school? What? I was just GCSE drama, stood at a bus stop. And, you know, this lady drove by a couple of times, pulled over, said, you got the right face for this new character. Will you come for an audition? Sinatra, they couldn't find that an is Asian. amazing. I know. They couldn't <laughs> find an Asian. Because let's not forget, back then, there was no Asian Scouse mm. girls going to drama school. They were all in London. If they were in Liverpool, they were probably for the people who were very, you know, who could afford it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, you know, and you wouldn't find an Asian young Indian Scouse, authentic Scouse-accented actress that. that way. So they had to take to the streets. And I suppose they found a bunch <laughs> of us from all different places. And didn't know what hit me I really didn't so I did get thrown into the industry quite literally by accident I don't think I would have become an actor had I not had that opportunity that was my lucky break that's amazing yeah of course oh big talk about big breaks which is why I never had aspirations for Hollywood or anything more because I Mm. thought my biggest break was that back I mean I couldn't ask for more luck than what happened on that day when I say lucky I'm not Oh, oh, sorry. On, it, was sorry. The eighth, yeah. it was the 8th of the 8th, 88, which is a very auspicious day in the Chinese calendar. Apparently good things happen on those special numbered days. And did. so, yeah, that's why I remember it so well. It certainly did. I wasn't doing down your craft when I said you were very lucky because you were an amazing actress. Um, what I mean was just those circumstances. I, I, I'm sure you agree, actually, from what you said. I just didn't want you to think, oh, you're so lucky. <laughs> No, no, truly, I am lucky because I would never have had the opportunity 
to, to see what I saw and I'd never mm. have stuck it out in drama school. Now I know what my friends who went to drama school went through. The competitiveness, the level of understanding, the passion mm. you have to have to want to be there in the first place. You know, all those things I think I'd have run out and got a bit scared at the thought of what really, if you're going to put your all your eggs in one basket and try and be an actor, what mm. you sacrifice to do that. Whereas I didn't have that opportunity. I just got asked, would you do this? I got in there, saw what was going on, carried on with school didn't think this was going to be my career and then as it turns out I got had a I had a feeling for it I got it I liked it I enjoyed it and so then it was my choice to carry on if I wanted to so to speak rather than working and, and, for and you did blooming hell did. you did I wow did. <laughs> you've never stopped oh my god um one good thing about Brookside which I think is good about Corrie as well is that it champions where you're from and the accent and stuff and you could just be a proud Liverpoolian or with Corrie a proud Mank you know Mancunian and I, I love that you could do the um well you could just be Scouse and be proud of, of being course. Scouse um, and I, I, sorry, I think it's really important I think it's really important that the industry had those forums for people mm. to be able to be who mm. they were. I, again, don't think there'll be many actors that you know now who started in those early soaps or, or using their own natural voice, whether it be Geordie, mm. Biker Grove. Oh, Biker Grove. Look at how Ant and Deck made their careers from that. Yeah. Had, had, they probably wouldn't have got in a show with an RP accent, mm. you know? So it is a real, yeah, it's a real flag that I fly that there are shows that, really champion having a, having a regional accent. And one thing that I absolutely loved, one of the roles that you played that really sticks in my head because I, I just think it's genius, is in Ackley Bridge. I absolutely <laughs> love the accent that you do in oh. that. And it, did that take a hell of a lot of work? Because you've got, yeah. is, it, is it like Bolton sort of area? It's a Bradford Starney accent. So you, they have got that a nickname. For it. Wow, that's okay. what they call it. I mean, it's a, it's that's a like I think that's an affectionate term that people yeah. give to it. But it's Bradford mixed with Pakistan. And you can hear so. both of those completely clear. And I love it. <laughs> love listening so to your hard. accent in that. I tell you what, it was because of course you can't buy a book to learn how to le to learn no. those sort of no. accents, which are really just formulated through immigration and society mm -hmm. and where you where you end up. Um, there's no one you can really turn to to get taught it. So I sat in the back of a lot of cab drivers and dinner ladies' houses and went to visit Brilliant. the people and, and and I'd just take my dictaphone and listen and imitate and copy and and then I realised what it was, especially with Ackley Bridge being a show about multicultural people mm. who are genuinely living in those areas in Yorkshire and they mix with other people who sound so very Yorkshire and they've got the real <laughs> Yorkshire accent and then they're learning their English so my character Kanese came over from Pakistan apparently when she mm. was 16 probably with a very heavy strong Pakistani accent she's then learning her English from the woman next door and the milkman who were all like Matt mm. and speak you know and she has to then find her own hybrid of both accents and then I have to try and learn it and did <laughs> so you yeah have it was hard it was really hard did you have a word or a phrase that would get you into it yeah I did actually it's Go funny on. you should what ask me that uh, what it is right, what it is right. So when I say what it is right, I can go a little bit of both. And also I'll go, no, no, uh, and one, one. No, you sound like so, Mel B. I know, it is a bit of that. But, you know, I'd write the word one as whenever it came up in my script with the word, like, no one, mm. I would have to write in W-U-N. So yeah. I'd say one, no one, you don't know, no one tell me what to say. You know, I'd have to really get those 
those were the like the ladders rungs I'd have to hold on to to stay playing her because she was also so much fun and she was yeah. three-dimensional oh she God, was yeah. angry she was sad she was funny she was you know bonkers um and I had to make sure and I was I was so supported I'm not just saying this to give them a shout out but mm. my fellow actors were the only reason I got away with doing that accent because I was so nervous to open my mouth everyone knows I speak like this here I am in the room chatting to mm. you like this. Then we say action and I become a woman who doesn't sound anything like me. Mm-hmm. And they, they could have all just burst out laughing at me. They could have just been like, Sinestra, what the hell? But mm. instead, they all kept saying, that's great, that's really good. You're yeah, well, doing really well. But there was also comedy with it. So if they had to burst out laughing, I'd imagine it was that. I mean, it was such a brilliant show. And I, I actually thought when I said, did you have a phrase that got into it? The thing that used to make me laugh so much was when you said bloody hell. And, and I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> oh, no. That was a... Fr- I mean, I've never known somebody getting so many bloodies in a script. You know, in television, they, especially for shows pre-Watershed, you're not allowed to swear. I think I must have had some green pass that just allowed me to say bloody this, bloody that, bloody that, bloody this, bloody that. Every- I was like... I was amazed that they were allowed to let this woman just... She uses it as punctuation rather Which than as actually a phrase. Because yeah, we all yeah, know yeah. someone like that. Um, yeah. On that subject, though, um, I saw your, um, who do you think you are? And you said when you were growing up, you wanted to be as British in inverted commas as you could be. And obviously you mm-hmm. are British. But why did that mean so much to you? Um, and why did you want to deny your Indian heritage um I, I suppose it's really hard using the word deny i think it was i was looking the other way okay. i was looking forward and india represented everything behind me because my mom and dad came from there they lived here we didn't actually you know we didn't live and breathe in the place that everybody's associated me from so somebody would say oh you might know this indian person and i think why would i know them just because my mom <laughs> and dad lived in india so i think i'd i was trying to distance myself from india in my childhood because i was so mm-hmm. focused on being accepted by my mates and the people I was mixing with, whether it be a childminder or whether it be the woman down the road who had a lovely dog that I just wanted to be as close to what they were because in the present, everyone was talking about what they were doing. Like The problem was I didn't have parents that went to see the Beatles or I didn't have parents Mm. who grew up in Liverpool. So I had to sort of fast forward a version of me that could fit in with the people who did have that. And I think that's where the focal point was for my childhood. It wasn't so much I was denying I was Indian. I never said to anyone, mm. oh, no, I'm not. I just didn't go on about it. or be- I was just not curious because my mum did the Indian things she did. She cooked the Indian food. She wore Indian mm. clothes. We, we dressed up for the Indian um, festivals and occasions. We had all our extended family who we would, you know, socialise with. And I spoke Bengali. It wasn't that I refused to be Indian. I just... I think I very in very early days in 1970, whatever it might have been, I realised the winning team was this one here. Nobody was winning in the Indian camp. Nobody was going, oh, let's have more Asians on telly. Oh, let's have more Asian news. No, there was really quite an obvious stand, which was this is where all the good stuff is. And I know that's quite a very obvious, I'm making it look very black and white, but it was. And I think the the survival instinct in me said, if I want to do well, I need to know more about what they're talking about because we're not going to do it on our own. And so it is about multiculturalism, really. Mm. It's about me. I mean, my friends were brilliant. They all embraced, like, can I wear a sari? No. 
can I do this? No, I'm not asking my mum. You know, they were so fascinated by it. And I was just like, tell me more about the, you know, what, what, what's that thing you got for Christmas? Oh, what? A sh what was it? The drinks that made it fizzy? The soda, soda stream? stream. <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah, like stream. that. I was just so much more like, God, you, you, you get Coca-Cola in your house. That's amazing. You know, so, yeah, I think realistically that Who Do You Think You Are was the biggest gift of a job I could have had because it caught me up on all the things I wasn't paying any attention to mm. growing up. My mum my knew that she had a really um, influential grandfather, but I didn't ask about it. Oh, I wow. had to go yeah. on Who Do You How Think You Are. I know. Wow. It, it blew me away. I, I, I've actually messaged all my family to say, you need to watch this episode. It's Aww. absolutely mind-blowing. Um, a few so of them messaged back saying, yeah, you're a bit behind there. We've watched this years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, hey. Well done. I'm really pleased you enjoyed it. Oh, my God. It was, I, I mean, it, aristocracy in what is now Bangladesh. You, you had... I know. <laughs> Yeah, we were it, like the Downton Abbey of some part of Bangladesh that I wouldn't have been able to find on a map had uh, you told me the name. You know, it I, was I have really... to say I cried a lot watching that, watching that episode. Oh. <laughs> I, well, I think what's really lovely to hear in you, Richard, is that no, you, know, you went on the journey, for pardon the pun, with me because mm. you could see how okay I was with everything to begin with. I'm, there I am mm. on the River Mersey going, yeah, I'm exactly. really proud to be from Liverpool. And there I am at the end, sitting on a different river, going, "Yes, wow, what's oh, it, just happened?" But it was ridiculous though, because when the guys or all, all the little young lads jumped into the river oh. at the end when you're on the boat, that made me cry as well. <laughs> I'm such an emotional wreck. No, I'm so, you know, it's giving me goosebumps knowing that it reached you. It really oh, is important that it's not just a big indulgent documentary for me to go, "Oh, guess what, family, we've done this." It's more to do with knowing mm. did it reach somebody on the sofa who well, doesn't know absolutely. anything about it. Right. Absolutely, uh, it was just it was it was so that would because you, you've worked a hell of a lot since you were fifteen, and you've you've even done two episodes of Death in Paradise, haven't you? So, what's, <laughs> so do you still say that, that that who do you think you are is the best job you've ever had? <laughs> I think it's the biggest gift of a job I've ever had okay. for someone to gift you the permission to go into your life and find stuff out. Because let's not forget, there are hundreds of people at the interview who don't have anything worth Absolutely. talking about. I like, spoke to one of them. Like, <laughs> said, my life you? wasn't interesting enough. They dropped well, it. Mike, Michael, Park, Michael Parkinson <laughs> talks about it. Richard Madeley, they all say. And they say oh, you know, I, I told them I'm just a minor's son and they went, yeah, you're just a minor's son. <laughs> <laughs> not Sinetra Saka though. No, and I was the, like... The king of that area. <laughs> <laughs> this is all your land. What? Yeah, exactly. What? what? Here's some letters from Gandhi to you. What? Oh, I Gee, know. Hang on a second. Are you kidding me? Again, tears oh. flowing. Bizarre, bizarre. And you were, um, saying, yes. you were saying to the people, I'm so sorry, because I'm an actress, I'm quite emotional. I was thinking, I'm not an actress, and I'm sat here <laughs> crying my eyes out. <laughs> wow. I know. So can you imagine? And again, what an amazing job for the researchers. They have mm. to start with everyone, and then they, you know, then they find out bloody Danny Dyer's related to, the, you, know, <laughs> you know, the king, Absolutely. the very first king ever. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think it's a, re so when I say it's the best job, it's the best gift of a job, like in that, that it, it, they are gifting you your ancestry, basically. Mm. It would take, it would have taken me years to have gathered everything they managed to do in, you know, with a team. So that was brilliant. I don't, I don't really put that in my acting career. That is like those yeah. special perks. Again, like Strictly, special perks that you get 
forget because people at home have grown up loving you and this is something that you're you know they are gifts those moments aren't they and you get asked mm. to learn a skill or educate yourself some other way so in the acting career no angels is probably going to always have pole position for me because it was the okay. first time i got to play a f it was the first time i got to play a funny person on screen because of course again up until then we had programs on that had loads of funny people on and for them to choose an asian girl to be like the phoebe buffet of a, <laughs> of a crowd was never ever seen before we hadn't the seen phoebe funny buffet. asian girl yeah you know you think of Brilliant. how funny phoebe was when we first watched friends uh -huh. and you saw that kooky fun quirky character like mm. phoebe everyone talks about rachel and monica but let's not no. forget without phoebe it doesn't work uh, well, this is the interesting thing. Without Phoebe, it doesn't actually work no. as a good, feel-good show. And, and, yeah, we were making this show called No Well, No Angels was being made. Every girl in Britain was being auditioned for one of the four girls. Mm -hmm. I, wouldn't, I wasn't allowed to be seen because I was already playing a nurse on Brookside, which was a Channel 4 show. Mm -hmm. So Channel 4 had said, we're not really interested in looking at somebody who's already being a nurse on Channel 4. So it was a no-go zone. And, uh, you know, I was hearing about all oh, my mates going up for this show. Everyone was up for this four nurses. It's going to be like sex in the city. It's going to be like this. It's going to be like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I only went up for a guest part. My agent got me an audition for, you know, a patient that might be in one of the episodes. Mm -hmm. And I went in, did the audition, and then they all sort of looked at each other and went, would you just hang on for a minute? And a few, few minutes later they said, would you come back in and read for this part? And So I had ten minutes and I quickly read the scene and maybe it is because it was again just sprung on me a bit like being stopped at the bus stop mm -hmm. <laughs> just sprung on me they were like would you just read for the one of the main girls and i was like oh, okay so i read wow. in there for like 15 minutes before you knew it i got a phone call saying oh you've been offered it and i was like what the funny the funny quirky you know crazy one out of the four i couldn't believe it <laughs> so so for me that was a massive leap from soap opera actress you know just somebody who was once on Brookside doing a few small parts in the back of other programmes, whether it be Cracker or Bread or Lovejoy. And then I'd got like a lead in a comedy that I actually found really funny myself. And I, I made best friends with the other three girls and we're, we're still as strong as ever. In oh, fact, really? I'm meeting oh, them all this lovely. week. Oh, oh yeah, amazing. We are real sisters. Yeah, there was a real... You can't make shows that work. You'll notice this when you watch TV programmes. Uh -huh. A lot of the best shows you've enjoyed are because the cast have found that chemistry themselves. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it always upsets me about Samantha on Sex and the City. I think, yeah, no, they too. have to get on. They have to. Me too. And I'm sure they did get on at one point. Yeah, There's no way that show could have worked mm. if the four of them didn't have some amazing bond at some point. Mm. Where it went or what happened after the, you know, they finished filming might be the sad downfall of Samantha, but... Really, mm -hmm. that the chemistry of people on screen again, with like I use friends as an obvious example, yeah, but friends. They, they, they really do get it. Cold feet, all those sort of programs with groups Cold of feet. people, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, so yeah, it's that. So, I one. have to give you've done it. <laughs> there is another one, <laughs> um, friends. It, yeah, it, it, watching the reunion, I was like, they, they just they just got it perfect. The characters, the amount of characters, the characters that they got, the cast for those characters absolutely genius because it all came together and made the biggest show ever in the world brilliant mm. absolutely brilliant um when you're playing your more serious role even the comedy and stuff what do you do to help protect your mental health i'm assuming you have to go to some quite deep places and stuff sometimes you know only in the last five years i think is this even a conversation people consider but 
I realised a long time ago, I was doing a scene in, um, I did a show in London called London Bridge, which was like a regional soap, and I played a character who had to find her, and uh, I think it was her sister-in-law on the floor, and she tried to commit suicide, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> she had to find her sister-in-law on the floor who tried to commit suicide, mm -hmm. and we'd spent this whole day with me just trying to rescue her and rescue and rescue her and get upset and, and thank God you know, this character survives. And I was driving home that day and I had to pull over and I couldn't stop crying and I was thinking, mm. what am I crying for? I can't understand. And I realised it was letting out all the feelings I'd had as this person mm. in, this, in the day's scenes, in the day's filming. And I remember for the first time then thinking, you do take your work home with you got to make sure you you looked at this seat I should have mm -hmm. in retrospect looked at it a bit more thought about it more prepared myself for what I'm going into because instead what I was left with was all the feelings I'd been pretending to feel again mm. in casualty weirdly playing a doctor who's delivering bad news who's got to lose patients save patients high energy high adrenaline you know it's, it's, I'm pretending life and death right in my mm -hmm. job how do I go home and not just have like adrenaline running through my veins before I go to sleep. You know, I had mm. to start finding ways. And for me, music was great. Wow, Massive. that's really weird. I just looked at my page um, in front of me with the questions and the next word was music. <laughs> just as you really? said it. Yeah. It's a, music was hugely important because it really switched me out and took me to, it was a bit meditative, I suppose, before mm. meditation was as you know, current and mindful <laughs> as it is now. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't really the exercise person, so I couldn't do the running. A lot of my friends run, jog, yoga. For me, massage was another place of meditation. Mm -hmm. I would be able to. A lot of people have found out don't like other people's hands on them, giving them massage, so they're missing out on a lot. But for me, music and massage really <laughs> helped me zone back and keep me from falling up, falling into the part too much. Um, and I've found a lot of great tools. Interestingly, because everyone's so much more open to talk about mental health, yeah. I've, I've found so many better solutions in my life. Even when you think you don't need help, it's, it's helpful to know you've got something you can use. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Honestly, I can't tell you, Richard, and look at us all post-lockdown. Mm. We're all trying to get back into our world, but we know... There's something, everyone's, there's like an elephant in the room. No one's really talking about, remember those years when we just all went locked down and yeah. nothing, you know, and it's, we're trying to get back to normal without harping on about it, but there'll be a lot of mental health issues hanging over from then. And I discovered this really amazing website. It's an app called Leafyard. And what it does is it teaches you how to stretch your neuroplasticity. Do you know what that neuroplasticity is? Sounds interesting. Isn't it? As a, as a TV doctor, I'm pretending I know everything, but it's the part of your brain. It's the part of your brain that teaches you how to sort of enjoy and how to, how to learn. So every time you were at school in the lesson, your neuroplasticity was working because, you know, you're learning how to speak French or you're learning how to add up or you're learning how to whatever. So when you're always stretching your neuroplasticity it keeps growing and then what happens after school we stop doing that intensive learning we just stay with what we've got we don't really push up and so then we just stick with what we believe what we know you know if I, I was told I wasn't very good at maths turns out I'm quite good at it but I, I believed I wasn't good at it because I'd been told this is who I am by this point 
And I think when I went into this website, basically it personalizes your, uh, sort of like a gym for your mental health, just keeps helping push, like just gives you five minutes every day to just, or every other day or whenever you want to. And it personalizes the journey for your mental health. So I've got friends who can't sleep well. They are loving it because they're on a different journey to me. Another friend who suffers huge panic attacks, out of the blue, anxiety, no reason. She's finding loads of help from doing her. You just basically do what your path is. And for me, it's over committing to work and always not being. And I just find Sorry. it very hard to say no. I, I find it really hard to say no, she says, speaking to the man who she met on Twitter to do a podcast. Literally, it's, it's part of my arsenal to be so grateful that somebody's interested to work with me that I should automatically say yes because I don't want to offend and there that you, mm. no one would say that's a mental health issue right mm -hmm. but it is for me oh, yeah. mm. and so it's about putting yourself first I suppose and realizing your worth and that you don't have to put yourself out there you don't have to offer yourself you don't have to overwork because you're worth but, more sometimes. But the alternative is the fear yeah. of nobody wanting to ever mm -hmm. ask you. Or the, you know, there's all these wonderful sort of, everyone's so complex, aren't they? That yeah, for absolutely. me, I, I, I would never be going to see a therapist because of what I've just talked to you about, which is why mm -hmm. something like Leafyard was so helpful because it was like, I would never have gone looking for this sort of extra help, the support, and, and actually the explanation, what it does. It just gives you the science behind why you're thinking the way you're thinking. It makes so much sense, and I'm a massive advocate of this way of doing it. So if any of your listeners, I'll put a little code. You can, I can share my private code with you all. I go would like ahead, private code. Give it a go, <laughs> and, and give it a go because it's been... It's just a better way. It's basically done. Like what Couch to 5K did to all those people who said, I'll never run. Yes. It's kind of like that. It just nudges you to go, yeah, I can, I can do it under five minutes on keeping my, say, <laughs> my now, sanity. I talk to people all the time about giving themselves five minutes for something like mindfulness or something like that. Um, because it's it, it, it only has to be five minutes and we deserve it. Um, I've had the Couch to 5K app on my phone since I think November 2020. I've not used it once. Um, but <laughs> Leafyard is now on my phone. Oh, good, good. I'm not joking. I'm so pleasantly surprised by the fact that there's something that works um, for the... And especially because mental health lists are just growing. How many people genuinely need doctors and therapists' time? That means we have to wait until we're in that state to get help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, and I'm not good enough to put down every day. Here's a timer. Do one hour's meditation. I wish I was. I just mm. know myself too well. So, anyway, that that's my um, that's how I've been working through my mental health with work. So that helps you get through the the, the day to day. Um, just 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 going back to music to music. What is your music tastes? What 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 sort of stuff do you like? Oh, I'm a real pop. I'm a pop and soul queen. Ah, uh, Beverly so. Knight. Beverly Knight. She, so did, she did my second episode and I love her. Oh. I, I was so nervous waiting for her to come on because she is my queen. I will go back to listen to that, Richard, because uh. she, is, she is... Oh, it's basically me just gushing. unsung hero. Unsung hero of pop. Back in the mm -hmm. day, Beverly was mm -hmm. doing the nightclubs in Liverpool. You know, over the, at the water, yeah. RJ's was a nightclub back then. Mm. I don't know if it's still there. We used to all go over the water to go to see... Beverly singer RJ's because she was doing like regional clubs and road, road shows because she was a jobbing yeah. actor, a jobbing singer. Yeah. She had, and I remember even the DJs were like, 
Have you heard her voice? Oh, my God, she's, she's better than Whitney Houston. I mean, we were really in awe of how good she was. And then, mm. of course, she turned up on the West End and... I'm yeah. She is an unsung hero, though I have to say she's mm. she, she 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 could have been what Prince was to, to us all. You know, and Prince she was is that her clever. hero as well. I know, I know. Yeah. I went to see her in the Drifters Girl last December, um, oh. the play that she's just finishing it. Yeah. Every time she opened her mouth, I was in tears. But that's not shocking, considering that I've said that I've been in tears about everything. <laughs> she did an amazing show called Sylvia, which was about Sylvia Pankhurst, who's Emmeline Pankhurst. Do you know the story? She got so much flack on that for being a uh, woman of colour and playing, well, a, the playing a character that wasn't. Well, and it the was whole ca- yeah. Well, the whole cast were women of colour and that was what mm. made it so amazing because the story had layers because that resonated with today because mm. it was showing women's struggle yeah. back in the day when women were the, were the complete minority and, and they used people of colour to depict that story which made you in the audience go, God, that speaks volumes. Mm. That's speaking to me on two levels. Anyway, she was standout. She sang like, an, I mean, honestly, everyone was on their feet every five seconds. It was... There was just mm. standing ovations left, right and centre. Anyway, we could talk about Beverly Knight all day long, but yes, you're <laughs> on my right vibes here. Music, pop and soul. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same, same. I'm coming down to Bristol to go out with you. <laughs> <laughs> so music, um, Leaf Yard, these are your... Uh, Passions, massage, you said yeah. as well, massage. Yeah. You, you do uh, mean getting yeah. a massage, not, not giving one. I mean, getting a massage, okay, yeah. Richard, Same of here. Course. Absolutely love having a massage as well. It's just when you were talking about it, I thought, do you mean like as a stress relief? Because I always wonder, I always feel sorry for the massage. I think, do your thumbs get tired during the day or whatever? <laughs> hey, yeah, man. I do wonder. They must be, they've got really strong hands, haven't they? If they're doing that yeah. day in, day out. Because if my partner ever says, oh, can you just give us a quick back rib or whatever? My thumbs get tired, like within about 30 seconds. I'm like, I'm right, that's it now, Sam, move over. Yeah, and then I get complaints. Scott, my husband, says, that was three minutes. And I go, that felt like an hour to me. I've been like, working that muscle really well. Uh, yeah. That's exactly the same. It's exactly the same with me. I, I, I get that completely. So massage, getting, music and leaf yard. And it's leaf as in off a tree and yard. Yeah, it is. And yeah. I tell you what, you will be real. I think it's one of those brilliant new tech i think what's happened is so much technology is around us so everyone's dropping new ideas every day mm. but to find something that says, speaks normal english but doesn't lecture me or doesn't patronize me and doesn't sit there nodding its head and making me feel like i've i've done something wrong it's so honest and real and it's i suppose it's just a, a really good way for me to feel in myself that i'm doing something but i'm also not doing anything that's going to you know take up my life you know it's really it's been the perfect solution for me with keeping my mental health balanced it sounds perfect and it sounds very much on trend with what i'm trying to do with this podcast which is ending the stigma around mental health um Great. people need to talk more they need to get out more and and we need to share ideas because without talking about it if we're too scared to talk about it we're not sharing ideas we're not sharing what we do to get through our mental health journey and i know like you okay. say everyone's different but we can take pointers off each other, hopefully. Oh, no, no, because then also we get overwhelmed because other people aren't telling us how, how they, what, anything about their failures. Everyone's mm. only ever talking about their successes. Mm. I mean, it's wonderful that you're rejoicing in all the things I've done, but we're, we're spanning a 30-plus year career yeah. in what we're talking about here. I don't want other people who haven't succeeded in all of the things they get to do to feel any less for it, and, and I do. That's why I'm really... 
careful about making sure everybody knows, like, just do what you can do, but mm. make sure you mention the bad stuff as well as the good. Yeah, because comparison is one of the worst things for mental health. Oh, and God, and it, yeah. it, if you can look at the whole spectrum, like you say, and say, yeah, they've done that. They're on that amazing holiday. But last year they couldn't afford food. You know, for example. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it bitterness can come in. And, <clears throat> and it's, uh, yeah, it's hard. If people aren't being honest, I used to have a friend years ago. Thankfully, she's not the same. And she used to, every time I'd ask her how she was, everything was brilliant. It was mm. great. Oh, so good. This is good. This is good. This is good. And then, you know, I stopped ringing her actually for after a while because I wasn't having the best day. And I think, oh, I'm not ringing her because she'll just tell me how great her life is. <laughs> and it's a shame because I did lose touch with her for a good few years until one day she called me in tears and she was going through a divorce and she'd had a miscarriage and oh my it was so it, but it was so refreshing to hear her I, i'd never yeah, heard her talk that. negatively about anything you know her husband had been great her this had been great her job was great and now all of a sudden she was telling me that he's actually not great she's not doing well and it was the best cure real. for our friendship because Reality. actually then I, then we could talk about real things and it was yeah so i think there's a real you know you've got a Choose friends who you know you can be honest with. That's what it's about, isn't it? That honesty and that in that in reality in that conversation there. Um, someone that I mean, I I like it when people feel that they can be completely honest with me. I feel like I've done a good job then. You know, yeah, if somebody's yeah. like the last few days, my mental health has not been brilliant. I lost my mum in February, and I've got some friends that live just around the corner, and they have been amazing. With my partner, we went to the cinema yesterday, and I just said to my partner, "I can't." I, I was I've not had anxiety before I had COVID. When I had COVID, I, I got anxiety, and I've never had it before. Um, oh, and really? then we we were in the cinema yesterday, and I could feel myself getting a, a panic attack. So I said, "Look, Sam, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to." Leave and I had to leave um, but later on they were all so supportive and they knew exactly what to do to just oh. help get me back to good so it's it's all about honesty and about not hiding it I suppose and not feeling that you have to hide it not being ashamed not oh. running away from it so. well it's also because you worry you know there's this fear isn't there especially when you're younger that people are going to use this against you later down mm -hmm. the line yeah. and it's that you know I don't want anyone to have any bad black marks against my name mm. and I think when you start understanding that you actually get better relationships from those people when you start opening up because yeah. then they know in a way they've got it owing to be able to tell you their bad stuff because it keeps the balance of the friendship if only one side of the friendship is needy 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 or give 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 then there's then mm. you just go out a kilter and you being so honest yesterday means that the friends who supported you know that they've can do that back in return when it's mm -hmm. their turn and you'll be there when it's your turn their turn you know absolutely i've got some really good friends at the moment and i'm really feeling blessed i only met them in february just after mm. my mum died but we've become so close and we're so similar we've been on holiday together as well and they're wow. also friends which they were also friends with one of my childhood friends that i hadn't seen for 20 plus years and then because of them he's come back in my life as well so it's brilliant i've got some really good friends at the minute i'm in a really good place <laughs> it's all about me I'm now i'm really glad to hear that no i'm really glad to hear that and you know what i'm not just saying it maybe there was a reason i had to mention leaf yard to you because everything you've mm -hmm. just said then i'm thinking i can't say it again but i am you will honestly benefit in leaps and bounds just having it in your pocket having mm. the option to be able to understand what to do next time that happens because you can't you can help yourself anyway yeah. we digress how wonderful that you know we're all talking <laughs> like this more no it's brilliant and the, the the one thing that i don't want is for you to get any um 
anxiety from your um, agent. So I will <laughs> best thank you for your time because you've given me 40 minutes. Oh, uh, thank I'm you, I'm so Richard. chuffed. I'm genuinely chuffed. I'm so grateful for you. Uh, well, to, it's to a good, it. I feel good for doing it. So there you go. That's all that you need. Well, so. If you give up some of your time for free, you want to feel like it was really good time spent. And it was. So thank mm. you very much. Oh, good. And and yeah, it, it's good to talk, isn't it? So it's, 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 a, it's a form of therapy anyway, just getting it all out there. There you go. Let's hope we've helped somebody find a a little bit of a breather in their day by listening to this. Absolutely. I hope so. Leaf Yard. Yeah, and I will leave you a code. I will, because I do want more people who know about this, the better. Well, I'm going to stop. you want to do it or not, you'll know someone. (laughs) I'm going to stop the recording then and then get your code. But um, thank you again so much. And it's been been a joy. I've been really looking forward to speaking to you because I've loved your career so far. (laughs) Oh, honestly, you're a pleasure to talk to. And thanks for saying such lovely things. You doing any more Gogglebox with um, Georgia Taylor? (laughs) Do you know what this is? We overcommitted ourselves. Again. We did. Th- we did three years, and what happened is we had to keep giving up all our weekends because we were both filming mm-hmm. Corrie and Ackley Bridge in the week. So we could only oh give God. Gogglebox our Saturdays or Sundays, and then our families turned around and went, "Are we going to have another <laughs> summer without seeing you?" So we had we had to say, "Sorry, TV, we can't sit in front of the telly all weekend when our families mm. need to see us a bit." So no, we're not doing it this year because we. We needed to keep our weekends Absolutely. for friends and, and family. And, and as well as you, yeah, George has been very, in, in, you know, not the smallest storyline lately. Exactly. <laughs> She's been a busy bee, so it's probably better that we didn't. Not sure what happened to the last part of our conversation, but it was just me thanking Sinetra for her time and being a wonderful guest. I hope you enjoyed this episode because I know I did. Thank you for listening.